Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal, and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, coming to you from the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, United States of America. This episode of The Secret Podcast, I want to talk about a few things Let's talk. We're going to talk about smart meters. I had a notice in the mail that I will have one installed in my home. Uh, I've done a little bit of digging, a little bit of research, have a wealth of information that I want to share with you, some resources that I want to share with you because it's a hot button for those of us uh, that you know in the conspiracy realm, but it's more than a conspiracy. Uh, and I want to get into a little bit of that on this episode. Got some interesting news stories, some more AI updates as Skynet seems to be laying the pieces to come online. Um, really interesting stories on that one that we'll get into. But I want to start off with a personal story once again this week. It's been, I swear I should go back and just play the beginning five minutes of every show. This is episode, I think, 145. And I think every show I start out saying, this has been a rough week. This has been a challenging week. Do I just complain a lot? I don't know. You decide. Here's what happened this week. And I'm not upset. I'm in a good mood right now. I'm not complaining about it. But you decide. I was on the phone with my mom. Uh, this was, what, three, four days ago. And we were talking because there was a storm coming in. And I look, I'm looking out my window over my deck through the trees. And I said, oh, my gosh, the sky got black. You know, did you ever see one of those storms? And you just, it's just, it like it's like nighttime. And you just see it creeping your way. So I'm talking to my mom. And I said, ah, maybe we should close some windows. We're expecting some pretty, I mean, they were calling for a pretty significant storm with some heavy rain and stuff. My son was still at school. He was getting ready to come home on the bus in about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And my wife was home, my dog, and my two daughters. Uh, the one is one. She's toddling around. The other one's four years old. I'm on the phone talking to my mom. This blackness is just coming my way. So I'm standing at the window. I'm looking out, and I start closing the window, and the wind kicks up. And then the wind really kicks up. And I'm on, I have my Bluetooth in. I said, oh, I said, oh my gosh, here it comes, mom. Can you hear that wind? And then I heard what sounded like a freight train. I've never heard wind like that. And if you've ever seen the show Lost, the smoke monster, I like the trees just part in the distance. The trees coming right to my house just started moving. And I can't explain it. It was just this freight train of wind, and I just heard it coming. I said, oh my gosh, this door is coming. And I'm talking to mom, and I'm trying. I'm closing the window, closing the window, and then, boom! I'm yelling, "A tree in my house! A tree in my house!" I, I know when you're involved in situations like that, we tend to exaggerate. And I'm not going to lie; I'm the type of person that tends to exaggerate. But here's, with that statement being said, here's how I perceived what happened. I'm closing the window, and. I didn't even see the tree hit. I, I think I was just looking down at the floor at the little crank on my window. But I, I felt the pressure wave, I guess, of the wind. And then when that tree hit, 
And I kept thinking, like, my windows are breaking. My windows are breaking. I'm closing my eyes. And I'm kind of bracing. I'm moving away from the mic because I'm telling this. And I'm bracing for impact. And what I recall is that my entire wall bowed inward. My, and I have a, a giant window up top and then four smaller windows going across. Like, it's a wall of windows. And it just, it literally bubbled inward. The equivalent in my head, if you've ever seen the first Matrix movie, and it wasn't this dramatic, but this is what it reminded me of, when the helicopter hits the building in slow motion and you see that ripple effect, it felt like it rippled in like that. That's exactly how it felt. Maybe that was from the pressure of the wind hitting the house, and my wife said, good thing the window wasn't all completely closed, or maybe the pressure would have blown the windows out. But I felt the the wall kind of bubble in, and then everything settled, and then I, I just... I realized I was okay, and I thought I, I swear I heard cracking, but later I found out that was hail coming down and then hitting the windows. But I, it just sounded like everything was going to shatter on me. So I turned to run. My daughter was like five feet behind me. I scooped her up, and I ran to the back of the house. I'm not going to lie. I was screaming, a tree at the house. And my mom's still on the phone. I don't think she realized what was going on. Sorry, Mom. But she because she was still talking. I'm like, Mom, a tree at the house. I got to go. I'll call you back. <laughs> so I hung up on her. And... I was freaked out for a minute. Everybody's okay. There's no dam- no major damage to the house, thank goodness. But when I went back and looked at it, this tree, I, I guess it was probably, I, I don't know, I, I didn't measure it. It's got a, it's got a good diameter on it. I mean, it was, it was a nice size, tree, full-grown tree. The tree was probably at least twice the size of my home. And this wind snapped it a little more than halfway up, probably about 10 feet above my house, it just snapped, and then it flew about 10 feet, uh, maybe about 15 feet, to get from where it broke to hit my house. You know, including the fall and the gravity and the length of the tree and everything, but that's how strong this wind was. It just, it snapped, it snapped the tree. I've never experienced anything like that. And it came, in, in my head, it came right at me. I mean, this tree, it's like somebody broke the tree with the wind and used it as a missile to come right to my house. Now, here's what gets me is that I was looking at all the little limbs and branches that were on this piece of trunk that came flying at my head. And they were all broken where had those pieces not broken, they would have come right through my windows. They broke, everything broke and hit in exactly the right spot. And we're talking maybe a, a foot over here, a foot over that way, and everything, the, the glass would have just shattered all over me. It just, I can't help but to question, was there some kind of spiritual intervention there? I'm not ruling that out. As of yet, I have no way to prove that. My remote viewers out there, this might be a neat target if we want to put, I might want to put that together one day. Um, you know, and that's what we can use remote viewing for to verify stuff like this, I guess, to look into it just it felt like like i said maybe that bubble i was experiencing was a bubble of protection i don't know um i know that sounds wild and i know a lot of times people ex- survive something and i am the last one that ever says you know god saved me and i don't I, I don't i'm still not going there um you know that's just not my belief system but am i open to the possibility that maybe i have some spiritual helpers on the other side yeah after that because i don't understand how those windows didn't shatter how that tree is not wasn't in my face and I'm dead. I, I, I don't I don't understand it. it. It really messed me up trying to process that. Um, 
So anyway, I, I took the tree down yesterday. Uh, up was up my roof with the chainsaw and, and the you know the regular saw and just hacking the thing away. And I I was a nervous wreck. I, I can't explain it. When I was done. I had the shakes. I had the jitters. Maybe it's just maybe it's just some kind of PTSD. I don't know. Maybe the tree was charged with something. Now I'm thinking kind of crazy, aren't I? But I am a writer, and that's where these ideas come from. It was just weird to me. So I'd love to know your thoughts. Send me a message. Send me a note. Do you, do you think divine intervention or spiritual intervention or some kind of supernatural protection uh, was enacted at that point? If so, how do I say thank you? I'd really like to know that because I don't think I should be here. There was a man uh, my age, from what I understand, his wife is pregnant with their first child. He was driving, and a tree snapped and came down on his car and killed him. Now, the the path of this storm, you know, because I, I then went rushing to the school after the storm passed our house to go get my son because I didn't want him coming home on the bus, and there were trees down everywhere. But it was like a path. So I thought it was a tornado. I don't officially I'm hearing that it wasn't, it was just strong winds, but I don't know, man, this thing has an actual path. I can look down my road and see where this storm came from and how, and it went, came from like up the mountain and then it came down and it curved and came right towards my house, went over my house and then took the route, finally, you know, coincidentally took the route that I take to go to get my son. Um, here I am personalizing this now, right? Ego, ego, ego. Anyway, it was uh, it was an interesting experience for me. It, just what nature can do is powerful. So I, you know, I want to I want to restress the importance of making sure you have an emergency plan. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, I had another scare. I can't even remember what that scare was at this point in time, but something scared me, and I realized I'm not as prepared as I want to be. I'm still not there. I'm still putting things together. Um, but I have put a couple bags and backpacks together. I did compile a list. So what I recommend that you do, it took me a half hour, sit down, step one, make a list for you and everyone in your family. What will you need to survive? And I don't mean like your Bear grills out in the wilderness surviving. I mean like you get out of your house and you go stay with a family or you go stay in a hotel or even if you're sleeping in your car. Make a list of what you'd need for three days. And then start putting that stuff in a bag. You should be able to put it into one bag that you keep somewhere safe that you grab and go. I'm still working out things because I have like an everyday carry bag, but that everyday carry bag has stuff that I'd want in my bug out bag. So I'm trying to use it as a dual purpose bag. I don't know how that's going to work out yet. I'm not done yet. But then have one for every member of your family well as well because then my first thought was, all right, is this, I didn't know, is this roof going to collapse now because I didn't know how big the tree was. Do we need to leave the house? And then I thought, okay, well, I do have those bags packed. And it was such a relief because I knew that I could grab those bags and be out that door in less than one minute with my family and my kids and have stuff that we could be somewhat comfortable and have what we need for at least three days. Do it now. Put that stuff together as soon as you can in case there's an emergency. Because an emergency is never going to happen when you're sitting there waiting for it. It's unexpected. Put it together. And uh, I'd love to hear what goes in your bag. I, I'd love to do a show just reading, you know, or even talking to you about your emergency preparedness. But it's so important because I, I think prepping got a bad name. Not that I think it's a bad thing to prep at all. Um, but when Doomsday Preppers came out, people were like, oh, you're one of those. But the reality is emergencies happen. I've had a fire. I've had two fires in my house. That I've been able to get under control before we had to evacuate. But I had a chimney fire and I had my grill catch on fire that was dangerously close to my house. 
you know, we've had power outages, we've had major snowstorms, all these different things, which are natural, common, regular occurrences. It makes you think, am I prepared if I was to leave, have to leave this house right now? You might be surprised with the answer. So take some time and think about it. We'll talk about the news right now. Some AI stuff uh, that I pulled, I should say that, that found me, as always. I was listening to, what else? Let, me, let me check my, I made notes this week again, too. I was listening to Jimmy Church this week. And he had a guy by the name of uh, Riz Verk. And he's a Silicon Valley AI developer. And he wrote an article, I don't have the name of the article, but the article was about, um, you know, the, the steps that need to be taken for the AI apocalypse, basically. Um, that's not what it was called, but I'll, have the, I'll find the article and I'll link to it for you. And it went through, you know, hey, we are on that path right now. It could, it, it is a viable possibility that AI could become self-aware and then could completely shut down the grid. Now, the other thing that he said was that, you know, we're all, we're sitting here worried about, you know, this advanced AI that decides humans are no good. He said, but what if we have dumb AI? An AI that's not that smart and then just malfunction goes, hey, goes haywire. Uh, kind of like, what was that old movie uh, way back in the day? I think it was based on a Stephen King book where all the technology came to life and started killing people. You know, it was the trucks that were driving around that were in control and everything. Yeah, you guys remember that one? This is going back, I'd say late 70s, early 80s. We, we seem to be on that path. And that's what he talked about. So I'll, I'll have the link to the interview and I'll have the link to his article uh, in the show notes at servicechange.com and at sixcentsmedia.net. But it ties into, you know, they even mentioned the X-Files episode that I talked about last week. Um, how through the Internet of Things, basically Skynet can come online and wreak havoc in our lives. So I had that in my mind. And I come across this article on Drudge Report. Drudge tends to carry a lot of this stuff. And the article, it's from Drudge Headlink to uh, CNBC. Florida County to battle mosquitoes through federal drone program. U.S. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow on Wednesday afternoon named Lee County's Mosquito Control Outfit one of the only 10 state, local, and tribal government entities to be selected for the Federal Aviation Administration's Unmanned Aircraft Systems Integration Pilot Program. That means that Lee County's mosquito control operations will be able to incorporate drone technology under more relaxed standards than they would otherwise be required to adhere to under current law. It also means an unlikely spotlight has been shined on the county's pest control efforts. I'm hoping after today it'll quiet down. Getting a lot of media requests, but it's also I'm getting inundated with drone operators that want jobs, Jackson says. I'm thinking, man, this really made it around the country. The FAA in a statement this week indicated it has received 149 formal proposals from across the U.S. The pilot program is expected to run over the next two and a half years, and feedback from these selected will likely help the federal government decide whether to loosen restrictions on commercial and government drone use in the future. I'll have this link so you can read the rest of it. Listen to me. This is coming. We are going to see autonomous machinery that operates independently. Eventually, it's going to be completely self-sufficient, and you're not even going to have people behind the controls. And that's something we need to prepare ourselves for. Is this a good thing? Well, going back to uh, what 
Riz Verk was saying, he warned that one of the major gateways, one of the problems is once these things become weaponized or find a way to access weapons. They've got these drones that are flying around. They're carrying pesticides. Could they contaminate water supplies? Could they contaminate food supplies? Absolutely. There's a lot that, that's just scary to me. That we're now we're going to start. I mean, that's going to be a part of our lives. Little drones flying around. Now, at what point will we get to where we can't tell a drone is a drone because they have them camouflaged so well that they don't look like little robotic machines? They look like some kind of insect or some kind of bird life. I think eventually that might be where we're going. So they're they're even less obvious, less intrusive. I'm telling you, they're redesigning nature. All right, here we go. Speaking of drones, the Pentagon has a big plan to solve identity verification in two years. Oh, wrong article. The one I wanted to read was this one here. I'll come back to that other one. The U.S. Army is turning to robot soldiers. This is from Bloomberg. Right now, they're used to they're used for reconnaissance and explosives. Soon, they'll be on the battlefield alongside troops. Okay. The Spears, let's see, from the Spears hurled by Romans to missiles launched by fighter pilots, the weapons you, humans use to kill each other have always been the subject to improvement. Militaries seek to make each one ever more lethal and in doing so, better protect the soldier who wields it. But in the next evolution of combat, the U.S. Army is heading down a path that may lead humans off the battlefield entirely. Over the next few years, the Pentagon is poised to spend almost $1 billion for a range of robots designed to complement combat troops. Beyond scouting and explosive disposal, these new machines will sniff out hazardous chemicals or other agents, perform complex reconnaissance, and even carry a soldier's gear. All of that stuff sounds very helpful. You can sniff out chemicals, you can deal with explosives, you can carry my stuff. That's augmenting and helping. Let's take the military aspect out of it, just in general. Um, you know, if we have machines that are capable of doing that thing, that seems like a great benefit. Let's keep going, though. Within five years, I have no doubt there will be robots in every armed formation. Army formation, says Brian McVeigh, the Army's project manager for force protection. He touted a record 800 robots fielded over the past 18 months. We're going from talking about robots to actually building and fielding programs, he said. This is an exciting time to be working on robots with the Army. That's just the beginning. The Pentagon has split its robot platforms into light, medium, and heavy categories. In April, the Army awarded a $429.1 million contract to two Massachusetts companies, Endeavor Robotics and Kelmsford and Walton-based Quinny-Q North America for small bots weighing fewer than 25 pounds. This spring, Endeavor also landed two contracts worth $34 million from the Marine Corps for small and mid-sized robots. In October, the Army awarded Endeavor $158.5 million for a class of more than 1,200 medium robots called the Manned Transportable Robotic System, weighing less than 165 pounds. The MTRS robot designed to detect explosives as well as chemical, biological, radioactive, and nuclear threats is scheduled to enter service by late summer 2019. The Army plans to determine its needs for a larger, heavier class of robot later this year. This stuff is coming. That's all I can say. And the weapons, uh, let's see, just dropping a conventional weapon onto a robot doesn't necessarily give you that much for ground troops, said Billiot, an Endeavor Robotics CEO. There is occasional interest in weaponizing robots, but it's not particularly strong interest. 
What is envisioned in these discussions is always is always man in the loop, definitely not autonomous use weapons. Yet depending on one's perspective, machines that kill autonomously are either a harbinger of a Terminator-style dystopia or a logical evolution of warfare. This new generation of weaponry would be armed and able to see and assess a battle zone faster and more thoroughly than a human and react far more quickly. What happens next is where the topic veers into a moral, perhaps existential morass. It seems inevitable that technology is taking us to a point where countries will face the question of whether to delegate lethal decision-making to machines, said Paul Shari, a senior fellow and director of the Technology and National Security Program at the Center for the New American Security. If we went to war and no one slept uneasy at night, what does that say about us? Last year, 116 founders of robotics and artificial intelligence, including Elon Musk, the billionaire founder of Tesla and SpaceX, sent a letter to the United Nations urging a ban on lethal autonomous weapons. Once developed, they will permit armed conflict to be fought at a scale greater than ever and at time scales faster than humans can comprehend. The letter stated warning of a Pandora's box being opened with such systems. Now, all it's going to take is one country to develop an AI robot with weaponry. Actually, all it's going to take is the idea that one country might be developing autonomous robots with weapons for another country to say, you know what, we need to be prepared for this, so we're going to develop autonomous robots with weapons for defensive purposes. And then they're going to say, well, that country that we thought was developing autonomous robots with weapons, they really didn't develop them. But we do have this unique situation right here, and we do have these robots that have weapons on them that we can release autonomously. And I worked the last 10 years of my life on this. I want to see, I want a field test. Well, it's not a good idea. You're opening Pandora's box. This is what they were designed to do. Everything's going to be safe, sir. And that's how they get introduced out into the world, in my personal opinion. I think it's coming, and I think we need to be extremely concerned about that. Talking about data collection here from nextgovernment.com, the Pentagon has a big plan to solve identity verification in two years. The plan grew out of efforts to modernize the Defense Department's ID cards. The Defense Department is funding a project that officials say could revolutionize the way companies, federal agencies, and the military itself verify that people are who they say they are, and it could be available in most commercial smartphones within two years. The technology, which will be embedded in smartphones' hardware, will analyze a variety of identifiers that are unique to an individual, such as the hand pressure and wrist tension when that person holds a smartphone and the person's peculiar gait while walking, said Steve Wallace, technical director at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Organizations that use the tool can combine those identifiers to give the phone holder a risk score, Wallace said. If the risk score is low enough, the organization can presume the person is who she says she is and grant her access to sensitive files on the phone or on a connected computer or grant her access to a secure facility. If the score is too high, she'll be locked out. Putting my counterintelligence hat on, this is great. This makes hacking things that much harder when you're requesting access to information. But how will this roll out and affect the civilian population? That's my fear. How much data... They're collecting data on us that we're not even aware that exists. The gate of how you walk, how firmly you're holding your phone... I think that that makes us incredibly vulnerable to things that I haven't even thought about yet. 
And speaking of vulnerabilities, this one really got me. This is from CBS Pittsburgh. Again, I think I initially linked to this through the Drudge Report. Scientists bring a severed brain back to life, sparking an ethical debate. Yes, I read that correctly. A severed brain, not a human brain, a, sev- a pig brain. All right, here's the details. Yep, now I got stuff popping up here. Yale researchers say they have reanimated the decapitated brain of a pig. Scientists were able to keep the brain active for up to 36 hours. The research is raising ethical questions about restoring consciousness after death. Yale neuroscientist uh, Nanad Sestin revealed the breakthrough during a meeting in the National Institutes of Health on March 28th. Sestin's team reportedly examined over 100 pig brains obtained from the slaughterhouse and restored their circulation using a system of pumps, heaters, and artificial blood. The research said they managed to reactivate the brains for up to 36 hours. It's at the extreme of technical know-how, but not that different from preserving a kidney. Steve Hyman of the Broad, Broad Street, I'm sorry, the Broad Institute said via MIT Technology Review. It may come to the point that instead of people saying, freeze my brain, they say, hook me up and find me a body. The director of psychiatric research added, the ability to preserve a pig's brain without its body is leaving many fellow scholars terrified at the thought of this procedure being used on humans. With absolutely no contact to external reality, it might just be a living hell. Nottingham Trent ethics and philosophy lecturer Benjamin Curtis argued via the telegraph. To end up a disembodied human brain may well be to suffer a fate worse than death. Back in, I don't even know when this book, I think it was a pro, maybe it was a, I think it was written to protest Vietnam, but it was a book based on World War II. It's called Johnny Got His Gun. Got His Gun if you've ever read it. It's a horrifying book. And what this book is about is a man who wakes up in a hospital bed and realizes his arms have been blown off, his legs have been blown off, and he goes through the process of then realizing he has no eyes, he has no sense of smell, he has no mouth and no tongue, no sense of taste, and his ears are gone. He can't move, he can't use his hands, all he can move is his neck and his head. He then is able to determine that, I guess through wiggling his body around, basically the lower half of him is gone. He's hooked up to some kind of coloscopy bag to his intestines. He's got feeding tubes going, I think, into his stomach or down his throat, and he's not even breathing on his own. But he's fully conscious. He spends time in the dream world, but then he comes back to waking reality. But his waking reality is no sound, no sight, no touch. Well, I'm sorry, he can experience touch, but he can't experience taste, smell, nothing. And he's trying to communicate. I am conscious. I'm lying here in total darkness and total silence, but I can feel the tactile sensations of the bed beneath me. Please kill me. Please help me. And it goes through his journey of trying to communicate. He ends up uh, using tapping his head in a form of Morse code. Fascinating read. That's what this reminds me of, except they don't even have the option of using Morse code. Maybe this pig can communicate psychically to somebody. I, I don't know. But it really makes you think. You know, I read another study in my research 
that they're reanimating cells from rat brains. And they're training these cells as like little AI to fly airplanes and airplane simulation. You know, I thought it was far-fetched when I saw that. It's, it, I'm making a connection to it now. When I saw that movie um, Skyline, where the the aliens, the ETs, were coming down and they were ripping people's brains out of their bodies and then using them to power their drones. That makes sense now when you're seeing this. Some of these weird movies are so out there and then you read something, it's like, oh my gosh, they were actually ahead of the time when they came up with that idea. It's scary. Uh, it, it's really scary to me, and you know my sympathies to the pigs whose brains have been used. You know, I don't know what they've experienced. You know, we still haven't even answered the question: Where is consciousness? Is it in the brain, or is it somewhere separate? How does this affect the pig? How does this affect the reanimated brain? Does it pull consciousness back into that that reality, that existence? Does it have some sort of detrimental effect, or can that brain only play certain memories? I don't know. I don't know, but it, it really makes you wonder. All right, I want to talk smart meters for a minute. Now, I want to start this off talking about intuition. Here's how it comes to us sometimes. The other morning, I was getting ready for work, and I was looking for something to listen to. Let's go, let's go back two weeks. I was talking with Ray, and he sent me some stuff um, from David Icke about 5G that's coming online. I'm not going to talk too much about 5G right now because I'm not well enough read on it. But David Icke goes on warning about the dangers of 5G because the signal that is that 5G will be putting out is much more intense and they're going to have to, apparently it doesn't transmit as far from what I understand, so they're going to have to have these 5G, I don't know if modem or router is the right word, 5G boxes everywhere, like attached to every house and then every street pole. And I mean, you know, the way they're, they're looking to do this, they're going to have everything mapped, they're going to be everywhere. And he says the radiation that's coming off of these things is going to cause tremendous amounts of cancers. Maybe that's the plan. So that I thought about that. Then the other day, I came across a TED Talk. And this TED Talk was by... It's a TEDx Talk by Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy Johnson, he has a master's degree. He's a, uh, he was a Silicon Valley engineer, let's see, uh, civil engineer, and he was a manager at Silicon Valley firm. He was around multiple computers, Wi-Fi, and cell phones 24-7 for over a decade without feeling any illnesses. And that's how he opens up his talk. And then he goes on and he starts talking about how he developed a sensitivity to radiation. I guess there's a small percentage of the population that have an oversensitivity to radiation, to cell phone and Wi-Fi type radiation. It makes them very sick. Headaches, um, you know, exhaustion, fatigue, all these, all these, you know, whole range of symptoms. And he found it was connected to EMF, electromagnetic, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, e, or what are they calling this here? Electromagnetic fields. And it, there's a pollution out there. Now that catches my attention because of my research in Food for the Archons where I'm exploring human psychic potential. And human psychic potential, from what I have learned, operates through our own electromagnetic field that we generate through our heart. An electromagnetic field transmits data and it receives data. So now we have our own fields that are out there that are interacting with everybody else's fields that already interact with the sun, that already interact 
with the Earth because both of those have their own electromagnetic fields. They have measurable um, documented effects on the human body. Now we throw out there, everybody's got a cell phone that they carry with them. Um, the Internet of Things that is coming online. Everything is transmitting and we're getting more and more and more of this EMF pollution. What impact is this having on our natural electromagnetic fields and our ability to transmit and receive information? And how can we be sure now that we're not being hacked? Because that's this, I, talk, I go into this in my book as well, that, that we're not being hacked through some of these signals that are then putting ideas and thoughts and feelings into our minds and our bodies. And I've covered this on other shows with the patents that are out there. The pat, you can go do a patent search and find some of this stuff. So apparently 5G is supposed to be more powerful. Now, years ago I heard David Icke talking about smart meters. I'm like, all right, well, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have a smart meter in my house. I watched this TED talk about smart meters. The next day, my mom calls me and tells me she got a letter in the mail that our local electric company is rolling out their smart meter plan. They don't call it smart meters. Uh, elect, they're calling them electric meters. But it's a smart meter. It run, you know, runs on the wireless and everything like that. So I go and check my mail, and lo and behold, there it is. So I, I, I suspect intuitively, um, for some reason, I, I started gathering information about this before I received this letter. That's how I get validation sometimes. I get this idea in my head or something comes to me, and then I have a real-life situation that deals with that exact thing that I was looking into or researching. That's how a lot of this stuff works for me. And those are the things I challenge you to pay attention to. Did you think about it before it actually happened? in no matter what capacity. I think something is communicating with me or I'm tapping into something in the future. So anyway, it says, in the coming months, we'll be replacing our electric meter on your property as a part of our state-approved plan to upgrade all our customers' electric meters. Your new meter will benefit you in several ways. It would help us improve the reliability of your service by better detecting power outages. And over time, the new meters will give you improved access to data that will help you manage your energy use. I don't see anything in this letter about having a right to opt out of getting this thing. I am extremely concerned about how this is going to impact the health of me and my family. Now, we do have Wi-Fi stuff running throughout the house. I am trying to work on a way to minimize that. Maybe, uh, you know, we're looking to change our provider and they have an option where I can connect my cell phone to the account and I can shut it off. I can shut off the Wi-Fi at any time through my phone. Now, we have our TVs and stuff that we run through Wi-Fi. Like we're, plug, we're plugged into the grid. What I plan to do now, because I have this little feature, is at night when everybody's going to bed, I'm turning the Wi-Fi off. I think we should be able to sleep with our Wi-Fi off. Now, if I have this smart meter, there are horror stories out there, and um, Jeremy Johnson shares his about how sick he got, and you know, it turns out the place that he was living, they he was in a... Um, a multi, what do they call multi-unit plate, like apartment, I'm using real estate terms. It was an apartment building and he had, you know, a bank of like 50 of them in the floor below him. So this, all this radiation was just getting to him and, and uh, wearing him down. So he had to move. So I started doing some research of my own. My first stop was to my electric company's website, questions and answers. Um, and I'm just going to go through some of these. Why are they investing? Why are are, is PPL Electric Utilities installing new electric meters. New meters will enable new energy-saving technologies and will make our electric system more reliable. Well, that's good, right? 
Our current electric meters are reaching the end of their useful life and want to be proactive in replacing them. Okay, that's good. Technology has changed significantly since our current meters were installed. True, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The new meters will bring us into full compliance with state-mandated regulations on electric meter technology. Now, that's something we need to be mindful of. State-mandated regulations on electric meter technology. So there is legislation out there somewhere, that, which I haven't found yet. I need to do a little bit more digging. Okay, But this is what how my mind's working. I'm going through this, and I'm getting my points of research if I want to look into this further. Uh, what did I want to put up here? Okay. How will the new meters benefit me if I'm not interested in tracking my energy use? They will automatically report outages. This is expected to contribute to even faster response by our crews to repair the damage and restore your power. All right. Well, that's great. They're going to automatically report outages. So now I don't have to make a phone call, which sucks. But when the power's out, what else are you going to do? Uh, they allow us to remotely connect or disconnect service. This will enable us to provide faster, cheaper, safer, and more convenient services to customers wanting to start or stop power to their home or business. As a real estate agent, when somebody buys a house, they call the electric company and say, here's my meter number. I need to transfer service. I don't think anybody physically comes to the house to transfer it. I think they're just still running electricity to the house. They just bill it to somebody else. What scares me is that it sounds like this is a digital kill switch to the power in your home. Now, about two years ago when I got laid off and I wasn't really making any money, I heard a truck in my driveway. I walk out. There's a guy dressed in electric gear. And I said, can I help you? You know, he's got all these tools with him. He says, yeah, I'm here to shut off your power. I was like, bro, I got I got babies at home. Like, it's, it's the middle of summer. We've got the air conditioner running. I'll scrape together the 300 bucks you need. You know, I'm, I'm flat broke. And he starts giving me a hard time. He's like, I'm not supposed to do this. I need to shut your power off today. And I ended up talking him into keeping the power on. But it was a pretty upsetting situation. Now, the guy's not going to show up at your house. They just push a button and deactivate your power. Well, pay your bills and you're fine, right? Well, technically, but here's... Here's my stretch. Here's my conspiracy mind. And I, I don't even like giving that caveat because we know that governments have done unethical things. We know that the power monopolies of the world have, look, look at the, the alleged gas crisis, the gas fuel shortage of the 70s that drove prices up and everybody's waiting in line for gas because they were afraid they weren't going to get their gas, right? What if we come into some sort of energy or power crisis? What are we supposed to do? Right? Let me, let me rephrase that a little bit. Let's say a story is concocted that says, hey, we're having an a, a energy crisis, so here's the plan. We're going to shut off power to your home for certain times of day to conserve energy and redirect it to different parts of the grid. Or we're going to shut off your power for a week at a time, or we need to just shut off your power because there's a surge somewhere, and now you're blacked out. Before somebody had to come to your home to shut off your power, to disconnect you from the grid, now they can do it at the press of a button. We are now giving control to a utilities company that's, that's overseen by the government to determine whether or not your family gets power. Regardless of what the law says, regardless of whatever, 
We're giving somebody a button to push to shut off power to our homes. I have a problem with that. Not only that, it monitors our, our usage. Now, that data can be useful, but it can also be detrimental to us. I don't need somebody knowing what time I'm using the, the most amount of electricity. I know there's arguments that can be made for this. And they get this data already saying these are peak times. We know we need to you know, divert power. And I'm not an electrician, so I know there's good reasons for this. Let me make that quite clear. There are, I'm sure, benefits of this. But I don't like them having the kill switch possibility, uh, the kill switch option. Let me say that before I start talking about stuff I don't know about and then I put my foot in my mouth. I'm going to stop there. But... What I also want to talk about, I was covering Jeremy Johnson. He has a whole website. It's emfanalysis.com. I'll have this link in the show notes. One of his tabs is titled Research. And he's got, I, I got to say, dozens if not more of links. And I'm just going to read the headlines to these links. And I want you to start doing your own homework because you need to ask yourself, is this technology dangerous? First one, 2,300 studies by the U.S. Navy showing biological impacts of EMF. 2016 NTP study preliminary results showing that cell phone radiation causes cancer and DNA damage in rats. This $25 million study is the gold standard of EMF research and makes it clear that our current wireless safety standards do not adequately protect the public. This new study by the uh, prestigious Ramazzini Institute in Italy has confirmed the tumor results of the NTP study. Next one. Sperm damage was found in 21 of 27 studies reviewed in this 2016 meta-study. Multiple studies in this group also found DNA within the sperm. The mechanism is thought to be mitochondria dysfunction leading to elevated RS production. This 2017 study also shows how low-frequency magnetic fields can increase the risk of miscarriage. 2017 meta-analysis performed in the EU looking at 24 major brain tumor studies, 24,000 cases versus 50,000 controls, shows a significantly higher risk of brain tumors after 10 years of mobile phone use. 27 meta-analysis published in Nature showing an increase in headaches from mobile phone users. German report on 878 Russian studies from 1960 to 1997 regarding the health effects of EMF. This report was buried by the German government as soon as it was published because of the consequences of its finding quote, captured agency, end quote, report on how the FCC is completely dominated by the wireless industry that it supposedly regulates. Published by June 2015 by investigative journalist Norm Aster and the Harvard University Center for Ethics. Mr. Al I'm sorry, Mr. Alster also wrote about the dot-com crash in 2008 financial crisis before they happened. Okay, and there's PDF and Kindle versions. Now, there's a chart here. Radio frequency research. Does funding matter? This data was compiled by Henley Lai, University of Washington. On the left-hand side, you have non-industry studies. And what they're saying is that non-industry studies, studies not funded by the industry, show 70% harmful effects. The industry studies, the people within the industry that are paying for the studies, showed 68% no effect. That harmful effect was down to 32%. The, the data's flipped. So when the industry is not paying for it, it shows that 70% of this stuff is harmful. When they are paying for it, like, that's yeah, only 32% that's harmful. All right, I can, I can keep going on with this list of studies. Are you guys get what I'm saying here? 
Uh, let's see, 2017 study showing 2.45 gigahertz Wi-Fi significantly impacts the endocrine system of young rats, particularly the pancreas. The study showed that serum glucose, lipase, and amylase levels were higher in the EMR group, and the results were significant, indicating both endocrine and exocrine cell damage. You can review study results here. I'm debating if I want to say what comes to mind when I look at that study right there. Um, my father died of pancreatic cancer. And in the years leading up to his death, he was working selling cell phones, which means that every day he was exposed to just a ton of this radiation. You know, I don't, I don't know. Right now, that's just pure speculation. But it's just odd how his death has led me on a path of research that has, everything I've done on this show has been sparked by what's happened from his death. The intuition, the flood of information that came to me as he was dying, before he was dying, uh, and after he died on intuitive levels. So is this, is this another breadcrumb here? I don't even know if I should be saying that on the air because it's just an idea, but I, I at reading that, it ju that just popped in my head. Is there a connection there? So we don't know. I don't know. There's a ton of research here that needs to be gone through. Um, but there's a ton of research here. That, <laughs> so... This stuff doesn't, in my opinion, as of right now, this stuff doesn't sound safe. So now let's look at, um, there's a website, stopsmartmeters.org. I haven't really gone through it too much. I, I heard rumors that somebody was arrested um, for, for taking off the smart meter and putting on a regular meter. And here's an article that talks all about her arrest. It was in South Carolina. And there's a copy of the arrest warrant. And I'm going to try to read it. It's very small here. Then uh, on January 25th, 2018, in the county of Beaufort, one Elizabeth Michelle Mancini did commit the crime of utilities altering, tampering, bypassing utility meters, first offense. In that, she did switch out Palmetto Electric's meter with a meter not approved by Palmetto Electric. Palmetto Electric contacted BC, BSCO stating that they were unable to read the meter at 35 Rainbow Road, Bluffington, South Carolina. After investigating, the defendant did admit to removing the meter and replaced it with the meter she purchased. The affidavit and others are witness to prove the same. So this seems legit, that she was arrested. Now, we need to be careful of the spin that gets put on this, I have no doubt that there is a law on the books that you cannot tamper with these electric meters. Now you say, well, this is my home. Well, I'm going to tell you as a real estate agent, there are certain things called easements. And what that is, is it allows certain people or certain organizations access to parts of your home. I'm not meaning they can come inside. Let me say, let me correct that. Parts of your property or parts of your land. And this is a common thing. The, the mailman has an easement to come up your walkway you know, anybody has an easement to come up your walkway and, and knock on your door or put something in your mailbox. 
the utility company has an easement to come on and make repairs to your electrical systems at times without your consent. They have authorization to do that. Whether you think it's right or wrong, it's the law. And that's something we need to be mindful of here. Now, I'm getting this letter, and right away I'm thinking, all right, I got to fight this. I can't have this installed in my home. I don't want it installed on my home for so many reasons. But what happened with this woman? She fought the good fight, and, and she went through the steps. I mean, I was reading this article. I'll share it for you to read. She contacted the CEO. She served them with paperwork saying, I want this removed. Like, she tried everything, and they're like, not happening, lady. This is our system. And they may be powerless to do anything about it because this may end up getting rid of jobs as well from the actual people that go out and check your meters. If they're going to be gone, there's going to be no, no need to do that, and they can have one person who just goes through and checks all the meters. They can automate that to an AI, in all honesty. That being neither here nor there, is that the way? Do you think that's the way to go by fighting this, by not allowing it to get put on your house? I don't think it's a fight that you're going to win. And we need to be smart about this because here's what, tying back to the big picture here. When you're in fight or flight mode, when you're in survival mode, when you're in that combat mode, you're not able to do the other inner work that needs to get done. The meditation, the remote viewing, the, the, the spiritual growth, the investing your time in other areas. And sometimes we need to, instead of fighting the current, go with the flow. Now, I'm not saying just bend over and take this. I'm not saying just, but what can we do to counteract the harmful effects of this? I'm wondering if, and I need to look into this, and if you have this information, please send it my way and I'll get it out on the websites. And I, I'm pretty sure this exists. I just haven't found it yet. Is there shielding? So this is going to be attached on the outside of my house. If this meter is going on the inside of your home with some people, I don't have a solution yet. But this is going to be on the outside of my house. Can I, on the opposite end of the wall, on the inside of my home, is there a type of shielding I can buy that I can put up on the wall so it will not penetrate the wall and come into my home? Now, fortunately, this is on a far corner of my house out by my garage. You know, it, I don't know that it's going to necessarily affect us at all, but I, I'm something I need to look into. I don't know what type of device they're putting on. I don't know what its range is. Now, according to the, the question and answers page, it's only going to transmit uh, a few times a day for, for a brief amount of time. I don't trust any of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know how long this thing is going to be talking. I'm just trying to think path of least resistance here. I don't think this is a battle that I can win by myself. Now, if we mount legislation and and, and get some kind of class action suit together, I'd be more than happy to join that. That's not my area of expertise. If you know somebody who's an attorney, if you know some scientists, some, some engineers who are better versed in this, some doctors, I mean, we need to compile teams, then we can fight that legal battle as well. But in the meantime, I don't think it's worth going to jail for right now because we can be making better use of our resistance to this. So I think we need to find... Really, it's a Band-Aid or a temporary fix instead of getting ourselves tied up in litigation and legal problems and all that stuff. Find the technology that will protect you from this while we formulate another plan. In addition to that, this one's a little bit more challenging, and I've said it a bunch of times, we need to be investing in alternative forms of power. A, a gas-powered generator, I don't think that's economically efficient. I'm talking maybe some type of solar and some type of wind-based uh, electrical power. I don't have that 
capacity yet in my home, but that's something that over time I would like to save up for. This way they can't disconnect you from the grid, ultimately, because you'll have your backup power. As long as I can keep my food cold and my house warm. Now, I do have alternative fuel sources. I have a nice size wood burner in my home, so in the wintertime I can keep my family warm. We need to have these other things so if the power gets cut off, we're not in that panicked fight-or-flight mode and we can still keep focused on the other things and not get sucked into this. There's, you know, Have your backup. Have your way to unplug. Have your plan B instead of getting so focused on this. Now, this stuff is bad, I, I think, and we need to come up with other ways to deal with that. That's my two cents on it, though. So check out the links that I have on this. I'll have them at uh, sixcentsmedia.net, and I'll have them in the show notes as well. Uh, and they'll go out in the secret newsletter as soon as I reach that. My internet is running ridiculously slow. Um, I'm going to switch gears here. I want you to check out some of the articles that, that Ray's been putting up there at sixcentsmedia.net. I'm just going to read the... the titles of these because I think they're enough teasers to get you to go to sixcentsmedia.net and check them out. Uh, the first one, Sitchin is Wrong is Wrong. There's a website called Sitchin is Wrong. Um, Ray, I'd say, is an expert in things Zachariah Sitchin and Anunnaki. So I guarantee you this is a great read here talking about why the website that aims to debunk Zachariah Sitchin and his talks of the Anunnaki is wrong. Check it out. Um, it's a, it's a really good read. The other the other headings we have, the other teasers I'm going to put out here. We are more than our five senses. Well, if you're listening to the show consistently, you'll understand that. Motivating, beautiful article. Be here now uh, that Ray put out this week. Here's one that's going to get your my doom and gloomers interested. Are they culling the human population? Again, a, a really awesome read. The image of it says, "Call the herd." Uh, you know, I, I suspect that that does happen from time to time, and you're going to want to read what Ray has to say about that. So I'm going to try just giving you guys teasers on that. Go to sixcentsmedia.net uh, and, and check out those articles there. They're, they come up right at the beginning when you see them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. And always, I, you know, I know everybody says this, but please like, share, comment. We're, we're starting up here. We're trying to get this thing going. I, I need your help sharing. If you find something of interest to our friends in the Facebook groups, Thank you. You're always commenting, you're always liking, you're always sharing stuff. That helps us. We're still building our team. If you want to join and be a content creator, we need your help. Get in touch. Um, you know, we're, we're creating a platform for multiple people to be able to contribute and share information, and then at the same time, grow your own brand, grow your own platform, and just be able to you know link back to us. That's all we're looking for. All right, friends. I'm uh, I'm out of time here. It's uh, Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock. I usually do the shows Friday night, but I was too busy cutting a tree off my roof last night. So that's all the time I have. I hope you all have a wonderfully fantastic, safe, and healthy week. Let me know if you come across any more information on the, uh, the Wi-Fi and the dangers of Wi-Fi and what we can do to protect ourselves from it without totally investing all this time in litigation lawsuits and uh, possibly arrests. Have a wonderful week, everybody. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast where small changes among the masses can make a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you.